The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson, your host. Make sure and check out our CBS Sports HQ show, 4 to 5 p.m. Eastern Time, every single day from now until the end of time, it feels like. On CBS, we're honored to have the show. We don't, we're not complaining at all, but it is, it is a daily show in, in a time where there's nothing to really talk about, uh, except the draft. So make sure and check that out if you want great draft content, fun, mirth, Etc. Today we will continue our three-part series. Today's Wednesday, April fifteenth. Used to be tax day. Now it's not because they moved it. Uh, we will cover two more teams in our most interesting teams in the draft series, uh, and then afterwards, Emory Hunt joining us to break down his top linebackers of this draft class as we continue defensive prospect ranking week. Joining me as they will for all of these. Most interesting teams in the draft shows, Sean Wagner McGuff and Ryan Wilson. Hi, guys. Hey, I'm excited. You guys, you're talking to Emory Hunt. I'm a big Emory Hunt fan. Met him for the first time at the Senior Bowl, and we had a nice little conversation. So tell him I said hi. I will do that. Odds, odds he remembers Ryan Wilson's name or who he is. Ouch. I'm not setting odds on that. <laughs> I'm talking to him. Once you said odds, Ryan. I feel like it's one-to-one. Is it 100%? I, I mean, it, yeah, I, I will admit that I typically when I introduce myself to people, reintroduce myself to people, I always say Ryan Wilson, CU Sports, whatever. And, you know, 50% of the time they go, yeah, I know. And the other percent, the other half, like, they're like, oh, well, people I've met before, Sean, not just randos. Wow. Like Dan Orlovsky absolutely has no idea who I am. Even I set a, a share of. A seat with him on the plane for. Wait, how, how frequently do you reintroduce yourself? <laughs> I reintroduce myself literally every year to Kevin Clark when I see him and he, he's so exasperated now. He's like, I know. Please stop. <laughs> you think Kevin Clark doesn't know who you are? No, I've known Kevin since 2012 when he was working yeah, the for the draft. But, you know, I, you see him once or twice a year, and, you know, I'm just being polite. Is it a running bit at this point where you're like, Kevin, hey, Ryan Wilson? Just uh, that's the word, you know, that's I don't have very high self-esteem. I want to make sure I'm not – there's nothing worse, but there's plenty of things worse. But one of the things that are sort of annoying is when you're at the Combine or, or wherever, the Super Bowl, and you see people that you're talking to that you know – staring down at your name tag to try to figure out what your name is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I just try to cut out the middleman. Yeah, the best is when it says Robert Brinson on my on my credential. Right. Bill, Bill. <laughs> oh, this guy. Who's this guy? Um, okay, so let's get to two teams that are very interesting in this draft. Number one, the Minnesota Vikings. Having just traded Stephon Diggs for the Buffalo Bills' first-round pick, they now hold two first-round picks. 13 picks overall, number 22 and number 25 in the first round. Um, excuse me, number 58, number 89, 105, 132, 155, 201, 205, 219, 239, 249, and 253. That's a lot of teams with all these picks in the back end. But the Vikings are extremely interesting because it feels like there's a lot at stake. Given how many people on the defense they lost, given that they traded Stephon Diggs and they didn't have any money to really spend, like they had to let Everson Griffin go. I mean, I, it, you could make, you could easily make the case, Ryan, that they should focus on grabbing a receiver at 22 or 25, but you can really, really make the case that they could just double dip on the defense, right? You write off all the draft picks I have. I'll give you who they took in my seventh round, uh, at the position, at least after the first few rounds. Christian Fulton, who we talked about yesterday, going to the, potentially going to the Cowboys, if he's there at 22. The uh, Vikings should absolutely take him. Trevon Diggs would be another option. He's sort of a big physical wide receiver, uh, cornerback, excuse me, that, that, uh, oh no, he's not going there because that's Stephon Diggs' brother. I always get that confused. <laughs> he's a big physical cornerback who Mike Zimmer would love if his last name, last name wasn't Diggs. So AJ Terrell could be an option out of Clemson. But do you really think he, like, they can't draft Trevon Diggs, right? No, they, I don't feel like they can. I keep joking that they should draft him and make him play wide receiver, but that ain't going to happen. <laughs> so Christian Fulton or AJ Terrell, let's use those as options in Minnesota. Uh, they have another first rounder, as you point out. And here, and you mentioned this yesterday as a possibility for the Cowboys, 
which would be crazy in the first round. But the Vikings could take Justin Jefferson, and with him with Adam Thielen would be a nice little matchup. Then in round two, I have them taking an edge rusher. Their defense is so depleted. Round four, uh, round three, a cornerback. Round uh, four, uh, an interior offensive lineman to help out your boy Garrett Bradbury. And then um, a safety, and then later rounds, another defensive tackle, safety, and then towards the end there, the very their last two picks deep in the seventh round, uh, a cornerback and a, and a cornerback. So just you have to take as many defensive players as you can, and in between that, one wide receiver and maybe some offensive line help. I, I will say before you go, Sean, that I do think it's worth noting that, like, the Vikings defense was – this is a testament to Rick Spielman and, and, and Mike Zimmer, the way they've drafted and developed guys. Like, their defense still can be very good. I mean, they lost Linville Joseph, Everson Griffin, um, uh, three, two, uh, three corners, three corners and Trey Wayne, Xavier Rhodes and, and, and then McKenzie Alexander. Like you, I mean, like, and you look at it and you're like, okay, look, if Mike Hughes is as good as they think he is, um, you know, they have Anthony Harrison, Harrison Smith on the back end at, at safety, Eric Kendricks, Anthony Barr at linebacker, and they still have Daniel Hunter, who's one of the best pass rushers in the game, but they lose Linville Joseph, Everson. I mean, like, it, like it, you look at this, it, it wouldn't be shocked if it was like a middle of the road defense. But like that's a testament to them and that defense they had before that they lost all those guys and it still looks like a good unit. Well, the, well, the thing is, like I talked about this on the HQ show. Yes, they lost all three corners, but I don't think like they they made a mistake by letting any of those three guys go. It's not like we were maybe sitting... maybe McKenzie Alexander. Okay, yes, maybe, but it's not like we're sitting there like, oh, the Colts got. Uh... Which one did they sign? Xavier yeah. Rhodes. They're like, oh, the Colts got Xavier Rhodes. What a steal. Or like the Bengals signed two of the Vikings corners. Like their, their secondary is rock solid now. You know what I mean? Like given their cap situation, I think letting them go and just trying to resupply in the draft was probably the only way that they could have conceivably actually had gone. And that's why it actually won't surprise me if both of their first round picks, if they go corner with both of them. And like, we have to remember too, Rick Spielman loves drafting corners. I think it was a year ago. He had that quote that his wife told him, don't come home. Um, if you draft another corner now in <laughs> hindsight, it's pretty funny cause they probably should have drafted more corners than they did. Um, which was, I think they took one in the seventh or sixth round. Um, and I was going to ask you guys without looking, can you name, who their other starting corner is right now opposite Mike Hughes. I have the depth chart open. So. I cannot. I, I couldn't before I looked at it. Nate Meters. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't have known that. If he, even if I was looking at the depth chart, I wouldn't have gotten that. <laughs> yeah, I know, I'm, like, I'm like, is he their other starting cornerback? Yeah, they <laughs> took uh, Chris Boyd with the uh, 217th pick. That was the only cornerback. Previously, they had taken uh, Mike Hughes first overall in 2018. Um, they took, oh, my man, Jack Tocho is a seventh round pick in 2017. McKenzie Alexander in the second round in 16. Trey Wayne's first round, uh, 15. I, I mean, look, I don't, I don't, I don't, I think Rick Spielman's wife, no offense to Mrs. Spielman, but like, it maybe back off a little bit. Mike Zimmer's really good at finding good cornerbacks. Like, let this guy draft and develop some quarterbacks. What did she say? It was a year ago. Rick Spielman said his wife told him not to come home if he drafts another corner. Oh, that's funny. Because he loves doing it. But that's why that's why I think that's the plan. Because I think they looked at those guys. We're not we, we have we're in a precarious cap situation. We are not going to overpay uh, for these mediocre at best corners, and we're just going to resupply in the draft. And guess what? We're pretty good at doing it and developing them. Yep. Um. So I wouldn't be. I like. I don't think it's even crazy to go. I think it, I think if they went edge rusher and cornerback or um, offensive lineman, cornerback, offensive lineman, edge rusher, I don't think that would be shocking. I, I know that Nate Meters, Nate Metters, however you pronounce it, Holden Hill, like we're like, you know, we're looking at these guys we're like, well, this, you know, this is a major problem. But again, Mike Zimmer is very good at coaching up defensive players, particularly in the secondary. He gets the most out of his guys. And so I think it's viable that like they come out and you're like, I mean, yeah, they need Xavier Rhodes was a disaster last year. Somehow a pro bowler, but a disaster. And Trey Waynes is good, but you know, he got overpaid by the Bengals. So I'm, I'm fine with it. I think this is though a huge year for them because you need to, like, I know they extended Kirk Cousins, but it does feel like a five win season would really sort of put a lot of pressure on Zimmer and Spielman. Wouldn't be great. Maybe just Zimmer. I don't know. There's always buzz about Zimmer bolting. Yeah, it's always, it's always, uh, Ryan looked angry as he took off his glasses there. That was funny. Uh, um, Ryan has a smudge. He can't get rid of on his glasses. That's why I'm angry. <laughs> but the buzz isn't, hasn't been Zimmer's going to get fired, right? It's that he could like retire or step away or. It'd be like a mutual parting or something. But That's weird guy, to me though. This is a guy for 20 years that want to be a head coach. He's done with it already. 
No, no, I, I think the Vikings, it would be the, the buzz is that they might like, he might be interested in the Dallas job. Uh, and obviously that's not open anymore because he, he used to be the DC under, uh, Parcells there. Um, that, I think that was sort of the buzz. Like he might leave for Dallas, but that's probably not happening. So I don't, I don't think it is. Not with Mike McCarthy attached. I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like the extension to Kirk Cousins maybe changed things. I felt like they were a lot more all in on this year. And then they sort of rebooted the roster in a, in, on defense by letting those guys walk. They didn't, you know, double, triple down on bad decisions. I mean, they do have to, they're going to have to figure out if they're going to pay Dalvin Cook. You know, they have to get better on the offensive line. They are sort of a one trick pony at, at wide receiver now. So, I mean, like you could, I mean, you could definitely like without looking at their depth chart, do you know who their number two wide receiver is? Oh. Um, no. In fact, I'll give, I'll, I'll Venmo if you can name one oh other. Oh God. What? I just, I, I can't believe I can't. I feel like I can see. Oh, oh, there, I know it is. Uh, BC, BC Johnson. Oh, oh wow. they, no, they oh, signed oh, the guy from Tennessee. How's uh, it sharp, sharp. Yeah. I don't know if he's their number two, but I'm, it's, he's... it's sharp and, uh, Ola BC Johnson and then Chad Beebe, Alexander Holland. Unfortunately, you didn't. Let me finish. I was going to say, I'll Venmo you each zero dollars if you can guess one of the wide receivers. You should, have, you should have said $20 million, but we didn't get the one you wanted. Yep, that's right. Uh, moving along to another one of the most interesting teams in the draft, the Indianapolis Colts. Um, <laughs> oh, I don't know why I'm laughing at that. Um, the Indianapolis Colts do not have a first-round pick, which makes them a little less interesting, but we didn't pick these teams. Uh, well, <laughs> Uh, they did get DeForest Buckner with the number 13 overall pick as part of a trade with the San Francisco 49ers. So it's hard to, like, that's one of those tricky things. We do winners and losers coming out of the draft. You don't want to call the Colts a first-day loser because they don't have a they don't have a, a first-round pick. They still have number 34 and 44 overall and number 75. Remember, they got 34 by trading with the Redskins last year on the Montez Sweat deal when Washington came back in the first round. 122, 160, 193, and 197. I don't think it would be stunning if they moved up and tried to grab somebody that they like, but Chris Ballard has been excellent at identifying second round value and finding players uh late in the in the late first um early early second round of the draft so i could absolutely see them sitting pat and just trying to grab you know a couple of te- a couple of good guys in the second round thoughts Ryan? yeah i don't think they're going to move up either um they're going to get a wide receiver at 34 if they want one denzel mems could be there uh lavisca chanel could be there if you're depending on the injury concerns with him but denzel mems alongside uh, T.Y. Hilton and Paris Campbell. Now you're, now you got something. Then at 44, they could take an offensive lineman. Robert Hunt, I think is who I had going in my Monday mock draft. Uh, he plays right tackle now for Louisiana Lafayette, but he can kick inside so he can play guard. So, uh, he has that versatility. And, um, I just think Denzel Mims and Phillip Rivers would be, would be a lot of fun. Worth noting that T.Y. Hilton is, what, 30? 30, 30, he's gonna turn 31 in November and his contract's expiring. So, I think receiver, you know, for people saying, oh, they have T.Y., they used a draft pick on a receiver recently. They're going to lose T.Y. Hilton. I don't imagine they're going to give him a long-term deal. Uh, I don't know if anyone's going to give him a long-term deal after his his past season. I mean, I, well, I can see T.Y. resigning there on like a on a if it's cheap, yeah. Well, and I think a lot depends too. Like how what happens with Rivers? Like does if Rivers and Hilton have a good season together, uh, do they bring Rivers back on another one-year deal and then and then Hilton does the same thing, et cetera? I mean, you know, like I think if Hilton likes playing with Rivers, he'll come back if they have a good year. If not, you let maybe let both guys walk and sort of reboot. Let me ask Ryan this. Do you think they're not at all talked about grabbing a quarterback in round two, one of those day two guys, but with Rivers on, cause Rivers is on a one year deal. If it doesn't work out and like, I think it will work out pretty well, but there's, you know, there's a chance it, 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 it doesn't work out. Do you see them as a team that could take a quarterback in round two and sit behind Rivers? No, uh, no way. I just can't see it unless Tua falls or something. Then, okay. Well, are we going to have that conversation? Cause he's hurt. Well, then what? But I mean, you know, I think you, I don't know if you've written it yet or you're getting ready to write it. Who are the best available free agents next year? If you need a quarterback. Did you do that yet? Yeah, we, we had a podcast on it. <laughs> I can't remember that. Who, um, who the quarterback. Was Ryan, was Ryan on that one? I think he was. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Eh. I mean, I got... No, no, you know what? That might have been me, me, you and Breach. Maybe. Well, I was going to say, in my defense, even when Sean was talking just now, I wasn't paying attention until he called me by name, which I was thankful for him doing. All right, here we go. Here we go. How about our live pod last week when I 
uh, managed to completely ignore one of Sean's first two answers and then drop an F-bomb in the first, like, seven minutes of the show. That was on brand, if nothing else. While doing dishes, after Debo slacked us to say, background noise is picking up really loud, try not to do anything. Ten minutes later, you got doing dishes. Brent's uh, on his tab dancing shoes and starts doing dishes. All right, so, right. Here are here, the quarterbacks. Here, here would be the quarterbacks. Dak Prescott, Phillip Rivers, Jameis Winston. I went ahead and looked it up. Are you a I have it open. Cam Newton, he, by the way, Debo got that for you. Let's be honest. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> uh, go ahead, Sean. Dak, who we don't think will probably be a free agent actually uh, in a they'll, year. They'll, they'll tag him again. Yeah. Phillip Rivers. Which who they already probably, have. Yeah. Jameis Winston, Cam Newton, whose statuses could change. Over the next few weeks, Andy Dalton, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Jacoby Brissett, um, notable, uh, Tyrod, Mitchell Trubisky. Matt, Trubisky will have his fifth year option. <laughs> and Taysom Hill. Wow, that's not slim pickings there. I think uh, the best case scenario is just to re-sign Jacoby Brissett instead of drafting a quarterback in round two. So in other words, Rivers and Brissett would be expiring after this year. That is fascinating. Well, so I guess to that point, Ryan, to your point, if they stink with Rivers, then just go get a quarterback next year because you'll be picking pretty high probably. You don't have to commit resources to that now because if it, work, if it works out with Rivers, then you can just bring them back on another one-year deal. And I feel like if they wanted a quarterback this year they liked the class, they would have stayed at 13. You're right, you're right. Yeah, you're right. All right. Now, we give Bill Belichick all the credit in the world for constantly churning at quarterback and drafting guys in the second and third round, fourth round, whatever it is, because you always want to draft a quarterback. If the Colts drafted a quarterback in the second round. It would be a little weird if you're going to keep Brissett because then you have Rivers, Brissett, and this rookie who, like a Jacob Eason type. But like, if you want to do it, if you, I mean, like, this is not a terrible spot to do it when teams aren't clamoring for, for these rookies. I could, I could see it happening. That list of free agents is like, it's big names and splashy, but it ain't that great once you pare down, you know, the fact you've got the number two guy already. I would guess that Philip Rivers has told Chris Ballard, I want to play two years. But let's do a one-year deal so things don't get awkward. And, and both sides thought that was a good idea. Yeah. Uh, okay. Coming up after the break, we will talk to Emory Hunt about his top linebacker prospects in this year's draft. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, joining us now, as promised, to talk about some linebackers in the NFL draft Emery Hunt at F Ball Game Plan on Twitter, Sportsline expert and owner of Football Game Plan. Emery, what's going on, buddy? Cool, man. How's it going? I uh, can't. I mean, I, I'm locked in. My, it's it's going fine. I'm going. I'm getting a little. Um, I had like a you know you, you just get like I just was about to lose it. Like a toy wasn't working that my son wanted to play with, and like he he threw a tantrum, and then I threw a tantrum. I mean, yeah, it's 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 it's. it's First world problems, but I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, space is, space feels a little restricted these days. Um, how about yourself? How are you holding up? Doing fine, man. Just trying to, you know, continue to stay, you know, active as far as your broadcasting is concerned, recording stuff, putting together content, but, but it just feels weird to not be able to go anywhere. I, I looked at my calendar the, the other day. I had 20 pro days set up. I had 20, uh, not 20, uh, like five college visits to go and interview coaches, all these things and XFL coverage that I was doing. And now all of that is wiped out. I just, it just feels so weird to not be able to go and do those things as part of your daily routine, as part of your coverage that you provide. How much, I mean, obviously it makes a big difference if you can't talk to the coaches and see guys, see guys, see these guys work out pro days, talk to scouts and all that. Um, how, what have you, how has it altered your approach to looking at draft prospects and, and how has it sort of 
I mean, have you done anything differently to try and sort of, um, you know, not overcome, but like to supplement the loss of, of those visits? No, not really. It's because we're so unique at football game plan. We cover all aspects of football. Right. So it was a, ch- a chance for me to get out and go interview coaches specifically about the college football season or them personally, nothing due to the draft. Um, so I've been doing more sure. draft prospect interviews, um, been doing some more whiteboard sessions and, and things of those, uh, uh, things of that nature to try to find different ways to provide the same coverage. But it's, it's been unique because you find yourself creatively just in a rut, even though you know you have stuff you can do. But it's like, man, I'm, when are we going to be able to go outside again? It just That is always in the forefront of your mind. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, let's dive into these linebackers and talk about some guys in the draft, starting with your number 10, uh, Cam Brown, outside linebacker from Penn State. Uh, what do you like about this guy? How did he creep onto the back end of your list? Well, what I like about Cam Brown was the fact that this was a guy that has the athleticism. So, And I, I hate using the term, but it makes sense in this regard. He's a great value version of Isaiah Simmons, you know, a guy that you could match up all over the place, but he's not the the tremendous athlete that Simmons is. But Brown, I think, gets underrated as a point of attack player and also as a the ability to rush. People just see him as this long, angular guy and think he can't hold up, you know, against a run. But I was at the Maryland game, and there were a couple of instances outside of him being matched up over number two, which is the, the inside receiver, he was also at the point of attack and doing a great job uh, against the run. So I think that upside he has there, in addition to him being able to cover and drop back in zones, I think he does a lot of things well. He's a great kid. I uh, spoke with him down at the Senior Bowl also. And when you see a guy that's 6'5", about 230, that can get out there and run around and match up, you envision that type of player playing in the NFL. You instantly want to go to the Patriots and say, okay, how do they utilize these athletic, lengthy, angular linebackers I think Brown could be that guy. Mm. So like a uh, Jamie Collins type of like – Exactly. Calvin Noy. Gotcha. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, all right, nice. Interesting. Um, number nine, uh, where do you – do you see him slotting in as like a day two guy, day three guy, just to sort of try to get the range? I mean, I assume we move – you know, you move up as you go along, right, in the process. Right. I'm just curious how far down we could see a guy like Cam Brown go. I think he's a he's more along the lines of a, a third or fourth round pick. So what's that? Day, day yeah. two, three ish. Like a day two would be a win for this guy for Cam Brown. Exactly. Yeah, like if he if somebody plucks him in the third round, um, you're feeling good. Like I think you know it, it, if you're a prospect like him, you're feeling good about day two. Uh, number nine, uh, inside linebacker from Virginia, Jordan Mack. Yeah, Mack to me plays like a guy whose hair is on fire, and, and you like those guys as inside backers because they tend to find themselves around the football. And to me, that's all you want. He has great football instincts and awareness. I think he does a solid job in anticipating the run game. And that's what it's all about. I played running back in college. So I used to always hate those linebackers that that kind of knew where I was going to go, just kind of knew a step ahead of me. So I had to use a different approach to defeat those guys. But he was always you watch guys like Beck, and he's the type of guy that's always instinctively going to where the play is going. So he has great football awareness and IQ, and he also has the ability to, to really run. He's got good acceleration, all that stuff like that. And so when you see a guy like that playing inside backer, it's all about anticipation. It's all about instincts, and that's the type of guy that tends to thrive in a 3-4 defense as an inside backer at the next level. Uh, is there is he a guy that has, has he shown that he can play – you know, against the run as well as he can against the pass, or can he play against the pass as well as he can against the run, or is that something he needs to work on? Well, that's the thing. He's a bit up and down in zone coverage, so that's why you kind of like him as an inside backer. You don't want to see him on the field as, you know, it's not say he can't get better in that regard because in zone you can. Man is something that you really either you can cover or you can't. <laughs> yeah, but in yeah, zone, yeah. You know, in zone coverage, that's where he struggles because he's much better in man because it's strictly, you know, just chase and run. He can do that. But as far as dropping the zone and filling out uh, route combinations, he has to really get better in that regard. So, in other words, he's probably a, uh, like, I mean, there are very specific defensive fits for this guy as far as scheme and, and teams that would draft him. Uh, day three guy, day two guy? I would say day three guy. And I would say a guy that, you know, if you're a 3 4 defense and you need an inside backer, a team I like the fit for him would be Green Bay. Okay. It seems like they always need an inside backer. Um, so, I think a guy like Mac, especially as a two-down guy, can definitely help them out. Okay, I like it. Uh, wow, number, 
I guess it speaks to the depth of the class at linebacker. Actually, I, I, I don't think I'd realize we're, we're combining inside linebackers and outside linebackers here too, but uh, I got a little surprised. Patrick Queen out of LSU here at eight. That's kind of low for him. You know what's interesting about Queen and, and a lot of these LSU prospects? I think they got the national championship bump, you know, and then when you go back and watch the film and, and watch these guys over the course of games, you, you, taper your expectations a little bit you start to bring them down to more realistic uh, point of view case in point a guy like Thaddeus Moss you see a, a catch here you're like oh wow that's Moss and he's Moss's son and and next thing you know you think about the Vikings and, and Moss on Thanksgiving Day and then you go back and watch his son you're like wait a minute he's kind of average you, you know and so mm. I think a lot of that when you look at LSU prospects that tend to happen so people saw Queen and everybody saw him make a tackle and then it was yeah, like oh way, Thaddeus Moss played at NC State and like he he, didn't, he wasn't that productive and he transferred <laughs> and he has like a monster run with Joe Burrow that catches some touchdowns he, I mean, he's good but he's not like if he's if his name didn't if his last name isn't Moss and he doesn't play on LSU he's probably not getting the hype he's getting in this tight end class exactly and that's that's the point and when you watch Queen you see all the athletic traits like the acceleration the speed I think he's a, a true weak side linebacker um, but he has to be a little bit more assertive. I think he's a wait and see guy, you know, okay. Okay. He's going this way. Now I can go that way and use my speed. But in the NFL, in the NFL, if you're waiting, for oh, that you're, to you're, happen, getting, you're getting dragged around by the court, like a, you know, the coordinator, the quarterback are, 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 are making you think you're going one way. Then all of a sudden the guy's going the other way and you're, you're, you're completely out of place. And, and by that time, you have a guy like Quentin Nelson turning you in from a linebacker <laughs> to a safety. You know what I'm saying? To a, to a spot on the field. <laughs> exactly. So you got to, he has to be a little bit more assertive. He's a bit indecisive in that regard. Oh. Uh, but when he is assertive, his run fits are excellent and he's strong in man coverage. So he can run with backs and tight ends. So you like that about his game. And like you said, we're combining inside and outside linebackers with this top 10. So Queen has some good traits, but people were talking about him in the top 15. I didn't see that. If someone took him in the in the twenties or thirties, I could, I get it. You know, a team that needs a, a, a nice little inside backer, but I think he could please verse enough to play um, in a four three or in a three four. Whether you have him as a, a whip or as an inside guy in a three four, he's versatile enough to do that. But obviously, this is his first year starting, so he has to do more. So you like the upside, but right now, that's why he's where he is on my list. Okay. So, and, and I'm curious too, like, like again, we, we, we don't have edge guys in here, but do you, um, you know, like an outside linebacker edge guy? It's, it's, it's a weird blend of them sometimes, but I'm just curious how you mix the inside linebackers and the outside linebackers. Like, do you take, is there a little more, um, like, I mean, is it, you're just going like, I'm going with this is the best player and I'm listing them. I'm not going to worry about the importance of how maybe they're valued at the NFL level. Bingo. And that's how I do with all positions and how I do my mock drafts, which are only based off what I would do as a GM, because it, at the end of the day, if you take good players, position value takes care of itself. That's true. You know? And so for a guy like Queen, and I don't have any edge guys in here because to me, before edge became a thing, we just called them weak side defensive ends. Yeah. You know, so I kind of have those guys separate. You know, if you're a guy that's an edge guy, I think you play with your hand in the ground. So. Yep. Um, I, I don't even have them in this list. So no, this no, no, is no, no, no. and that's I'm, we already did an edge list, so that's perfect. Uh, right. I, was just, I was just curious about the the valuation. Obviously, it's a little bit different when you're talking about off ball linebackers versus. I mean, and you're you're blaming the linebackers. You did it right. I was just I was just curious. I think you did it right anyway. I was just curious how the list came together. Number seven, Zach Bond, another outside linebacker, Wisconsin. Also, I'd say a little bit lower on him, maybe as well, than because uh, he's pretty. You know, a lot of people, some people have him going potentially first round. Same with Patrick Queen. Here's the thing with Bond. He has outstanding athleticism, and you see it like he's getting from point A to point Z in a hurry, right? And he's flying all over the field. A lot of times I feel like he doesn't have a plan, and that gets him blocked at times. Not just blocked, but he gets blown up. You know, it's, it's, it's almost like when you're watching him out there on the field and he's flying toward the quarterback or the ball carrier, he doesn't see, uh, you know, the trap coming. He doesn't see the base block coming back his way, nothing happens, and he gets blown up. But when he finds the play, he makes the play, and he blitzes with a purpose. I love backers that are able to blitz with a purpose. Too often you see guys blitz and kind of want to get blocked, but he is trying to go and attack the quarterback. So I like his fluidity. I like how he can burst off the edge as well. Some people may view him as an edge rusher, but I see him more as a, a sandbacker, a guy that can't pressure but also can cover. So I understand the appeal of Zach Bond. He just has to be a little bit more aware 
and has to get stronger at the point of attack. Okay. Um, is it, is it a guy too that maybe has, uh, I mean, like you look at him now and you like, in other words, if you're going to make a first round pick on him, it's, it's all, and this is the case with all NFL players, but I mean, like it's maybe more of a projection of what he could become or, um, is it, you know, you know what I mean? Like, like he, the, does he have that upside that, that is sort of pushing him up into that first round or do you think that's maybe a misplaced concept? No, because when you look at upside, you look at things that can get better without okay. in, in, involving talent, strength, uh, awareness is, you know, zone coverage, all that stuff you can improve on. Um, if it was something that he, he has to get better, period, then you can't improve on that. But right. if you're talking about stuff you can improve on, that's what people see the upside. Or if you look at experience, well, we can get him experience like that. So he has upside, in my opinion. Those are the things that he has to work on. So that's why I don't have him high. I, I always look at the first round as like impact players. Like I need guys. Yeah. I always look at 1989's top five as the, the barometer for what first round picks should look like, you know? All right. Wait, wait no, who's the, who's the, who's 89? Is it, I'm trying to, that I, was the Barry Sanders, Deion Sanders. Oh, yeah, that's what I thought. I was just like, yeah, yeah, the Barry, the Troy, Barry, Derek Thomas, Deion. You want, you want, I mean, like Dave Gettleman said this and I don't even think he's wrong. Like if you're making a pick at number two, you want somebody who can be, wear a gold jacket. Like, and he, and he was talking about Saquon Barkley, and, like, again, I don't think he's wrong. Like, you look at Saquon Barkley, and you're like, that guy could be a Hall of Famer. You don't want to take somebody who, you know, you're you're like, well, if everything breaks right, this guy could be an all-pro. You know, like, you want you want somebody who you know can be an impact guy from day one. Period. And, and that's, the, that's why I didn't really knock people for taking, oh, I would take Quentin Nelson. Yeah, he's a great player. So there's no knock there. Right. You're always supposed to take great players, no matter where you get them. Yeah, it's like I don't care if he's a guard or a center or a like a say like this guy is mauling like I don't care what position he plays and how we value it. This guy is mauling people and he is going to be an impact guy from day one. And that's having a guy who can step in and do that immediately is a is a big plus. Having a guy who like so is Bond maybe like even a situational guy where he's gonna come in and maybe because he he needs the experience, he's gonna have to just be a pass rusher early on. Or is I mean, or do you think he can be more complete than that out of the gate? I think he's more of a situational guy. And what I like about defensive players, I look at it like this as far as like my whole philosophy. Can you score? Can you take the ball away? Well, he can definitely take the ball away. In coverage, he is never missing an opportunity to make a play on the ball and tends to come up with those plays. That's the type of defensive player I want on my team because it gets me more possessions offensively. Okay. Uh, number six, Logan Wilson, inside linebacker out of Wyoming athletic he can play inside backer he can play outside backer he has terrific instincts he closes on the ball really well he can blitz um and he takes on blockers well as far as like blitzing so if you're a back there and trying to fill the hole he's running you over and, and really collapsing that pocket um he's great in zone coverage he's kind of late in bander ash like um the only thing he doesn't do well he's a little hesitant in, as far as taking on blocks so he's a little bit more of a wait and see guy in that regard like nobody like as far as a back is concerned nobody likes taking on blitzers because you don't want to get run over right. same thing for a linebacker you don't want to you know take on blockers because you don't want to get pancakes yeah, you'd, so, rather, you'd rather avoid blockers <laughs> exactly <laughs> right and so he's a fluid athlete I, like i say, you can play any one of the three backer spots and because of that versatility that's why he's so highly regarded in, in my rankings on my list uh how um how early do you think he could go because again like i think Patrick Queen and Zach Bond are probably going to, I mean, I would expect round two at the latest for those guys, maybe early round two. Uh, I mean, is, are we, are we looking at, uh, an early pick for, for Logan Wilson or is this a day two, uh, day two type of guy? I think he's a day two guy, but a high day two, like a second round type guy. Okay. So these, so you think, all right. So you think that, like there's a, if you were drafting, you would take Logan Wilson over Zach Bond and Patrick Queen. Yeah. Okay. Because I, I like the versatility of being able to play inside or outside. Plus I like his ability in zone. All right. Uh, Evan Weaver out of Cal, your number five guy. Uh, tell me what you like. I like, I like, this is a, uh, this is a, a, a different list. I like it. You know, what was interesting about Weaver. I, I also am a color commentator, so I, I do games on Saturdays, um, college football games. And this was a Friday night game. Cal, I believe, was playing Arizona State. I had heard so much about this linebacker. So I'm always skeptical of when you see the Twitter hype of a player. I'm like, let me go see what this dude is because he's probably trash. So I'm watching the Arizona State game, and I'm like, man, this dude is – he's Urlacher-like as far as how he's covering the field. He's instinctive. He's making, quote-unquote, the play that needs to be made at the certain part of a time. So and, – and what I like most about him is that he's the type of linebacker that looks to hit. We just talked about guys that are 
wait and see backers, maybe these peekaboo backers. He's not, he's running through blockers. He's running through, you know, angles. He's coming to get you. He's only seeing you in the football, regardless of who else is out there on the field. He's seek and destroy type of a backer and he takes good angles. So it, a lot of times he's making the right choice as far as the path to take to the ball carrier, but he's a little stiff, you know, athletically. So I get that man coverage in that regard could be an issue because he's so stiff and running with fluid back, more fluid backs could limit his ability in man. But I do like how well he plays uh, the game. He plays it like a throwback. If this was like 98, 99, he'd be a top five pick, you know, but the yeah. game has changed in how he does. But I just like his overall game. and He's fun to watch. Okay. Uh, yeah. And again, like it's, these linebackers are tough because you just, you know, you're, you're in, I mean, I think, I, I don't know what the numbers are for 2019. I should probably look it up, but I mean, like you're, you know, we're talking 63 plus percent time defenses are a nickel and you know, you don't need like, like you point out, you know, t- 10, 15 years ago, this guy is a much higher pick because you need these linebackers who are just run beast and, and it's just not as important anymore. Uh, but I mean, look, you still got to stop the run. Defense wins championships and whatnot. Akeem Davis Gaither out of App State, outside linebacker, smaller school guy. Here's what I loved about him. I was a raging Cajun, right? So obviously my raging Cajuns did a great job this year. Yeah. Until they got to App State. And the first time they played App State, I'm watching the game. I'm like, why is 24 blowing up everything? And I thought he was a safety. Hey man, this dude's playing linebacker. And it was frustrating as a fan watching the game. I'm like, yo, I. I would hate this dude. Then you get to the Sunbelt Conference Championship game. He's doing the same thing. Then you watch the game against South Carolina. He's making plays. So when I put my scouting hat on and took my fan uh, alum, you know, uh, heart You're out of the caging, equation. caging cap off. Exactly. Took the cage cap off, put the scout cap on. I'm like, you know what? He is a lot like uh, the linebacker that played with Jacksonville um, that just retired. Uh, Tell Smith. Smith. Yeah. And it's like, man. You you look at him, yeah, he's 217, he's, you know, looking like a, a safety, but he's taking all blocks well, he's a strong run defender, he understands the game from a, he, it's almost like he played offense at some point, and understands concepts of blocking ass- assignments, route combinations, his football awareness is A+. plus. So, he is great in man and zone coverage, he's making plays on the ball, he's good versus the run, he blitz as well, he knows how to take on blocks. And he's the type of guy that you want out there on the field. He's an alpha dog type player. Um, and I think he still has some, you know, ways to go in this game. Like, so you have the upside, like growing as a blitzer. Um, he can be a bit out of control at times. Um, so he's going to have to play a little bit more controlled aggressiveness, but just from a pure football playing standpoint, he's a tremendous player. He's a guy that I wouldn't mind taking in the first round because of how wow. well he plays the game. Uh, by the way, Davis Gaither straight out of Thomasville, North Carolina. Shout out T-Town. <laughs> I, live, I, live, I, live, I grew up like my parents live like, what, 15 minutes from Thomasville. So we used to, I used to go over to Thomasville all the time. Love Thomas. I got you. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a small town. It's actually the uh, for, it's the uh, hosiery capital of the world. Hosiery. Okay. People didn't know that. Yeah. Exciting. There's a fun fact uh, that, that you can add to his. Uh, his New wrinkle cap- in the brain. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, yeah. uh, Jordan Brooks out of Texas Tech inside linebacker. Uh, and by the way, Davis Gaither is not a guy who's actually, you don't think he will go in the first round there, right? No, no, no. I'm just saying if I had a pick and I need to, like if I'm Baltimore and Kenneth Murray is gone, I'm taking Davis Gaither. Well, that's the interesting thing. Like if we did these, we do these mock drafts and like, you know, the linebackers in that 15 to 25 range are, are getting, you know, they're getting taken up. And so, it, it, you know, like you look at a team like Nor, you know, these teams, there's just a lot of teams down there who look like they could jump up on those linebackers. And so maybe, maybe Baltimore is a trade down to take uh, Davis Gaither in the second round or, um, you know, or maybe they, you know, maybe they just take him the first. That would be, yeah. that'd Obviously, be so Ravens though. That, that, that's so Ravens. See what I did? So Ravens. Very, very <laughs> nice. Very nice. Uh, bad Jordan Brooks, Texas Tech inside linebacker. He is phenomenal, man. And when I graded him, and I'm watching him. I'm like, you know, maybe I'm. I did this with Pat Mahomes the year he came out. He had such a high grade. I was like, let me take a day away from him. Maybe move on to other quarterbacks and come back to him because maybe I'm just being a fan. And but when I came back to Brooks, I'm like, no, he's legit good. And so coming from Texas Tech, he played in a three-three-five defense. So it's a it's all run and chase, right? But I thought his acceleration, his closing speed was all really where it needed to be. He's a great blitzer. 
His football awareness is, is, is where it needs to be as well. He's rarely missing tackles. And to me, Brooks is the new age inside linebacker. He can cover both man and zone. He blitzes well. He's strong versus the run. He can play uh, well within, you know, without, without help up front. Cause again, you're playing the three, three, five. Um, you're going to see some guards get to your, to the second level. So you got to be able to move around them. And it's not like a four or three, but when he is, uh, you know, so you envision him being, okay, if he's protected, he can make even more plays. But if he's not protected, he still can make plays. So because he's good on both ends of defense, I thought he was tremendous. And I wish he would have gotten to the senior bowl as far as being mm-hmm. healthy. And that's the, the, the issue right here is a nagging injury. Um, the latter part of this season. Yeah, but, shoulder injury, right? Yeah, and, and so other and you need kind of need that for you to be a linebacker. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like, like leg injury as a running back, like eh, right, it's not gonna work. Or a hip as a quarterback. Yeah, that's oh, <laughs> see what? I did? Yeah. But Brooks, Brooks is good though. I and I talked with him at the combine, and he talked about having that dog mentality and where that came from. He just he said he was always an aggressive kid, and football gave him that outlet to where he can be aggressive but do it in a legal way. And we want guys like that playing linebacker. Okay. Uh, so you think the injury probably pushes him into late day two, maybe, you know, he's been getting a lot of, a lot of talk of him going higher, mm. uh, maybe into the round, maybe into round one. So wow. if he, if he goes into day two, I would say he won't get past the middle of the second round. Cause if a team was looking at linebacker and they're looking at, the Kenneth Murray or a Logan Wilson, like we talked about, they're obviously looking at Jordan Brooks. He's another guy that I could see Baltimore targeting if okay. they can't get Murray. Okay, interesting. Uh, wow. And look, there's, you know, there's the the situation is such that uh, we talked about this with Pete Prisco. There's probably like 25 to 26 guys who are first round locks, and this is not dissimilar to a lot of years. But that means that you know when you have these teams on the back end that are, you know, you have a team like Seattle, Baltimore, New Orleans. I mean, they're, you know, they're, these teams are not going to be afraid. Kansas City, I mean, if, if they can't trade out of the first round, you know, they're not going to just take the, like, like, all right, DeAndre Swift, that's who the mock draft said to take. It's like, no, I mean, like they're going to, they're going to have some prospects they've got their eyes on that they think can help them. And these teams often aren't as needy. Um, so they can, you know, they can go after a, a, a you know, like if, like they have, they have enough, the better teams have more talent and aren't forced to grab somebody that is going to have to step in and be an impact player from day one. They can get away with, you know, maybe taking a chance on a Jordan Brooks or a, uh, a Davis Gaither there at the bottom of the first round. Uh, all right. Number two, this is going to surprise some people. Your number two linebacker, Isaiah Simmons out of Clemson, not the number one linebacker. Wow. Yeah. It's interesting because, you know, people see the name and he's supposed to go four if, the draft goes right. He's go, he's supposed to go four, uh, but he just has a point difference from my number one line total linebacker. But Simmons is my number one outside linebacker. Um, but what I love about him, obviously, the athleticism. He's capable of playing all kind of spots on defense at the second and third levels. Uh, we talk about his pass coverage and and that being a part of what you have to do now in today's game. He can do all those things. Zone man, he blitzes well. I think. You know, he has to continue to get stronger. I, I compared him to, and you, you'll appreciate this. Remember how great of a prospect LeVar Arrington was at Penn State? That's yeah. Isaiah Simmons, you know, and it's not because they were 11, but when you look at how they play out there, you saw Arrington play all over the field. You saw Simmons play all over the field. I think technically is where he has to smooth out his game uh, as far as like setting a hard edge, disengaging from blocks. Those things to me are teachable things, which is the upside that you like, but he has great awareness and that's because of his safety background. So when he's playing linebacker, he's seen it from a deep third point of view. So that helps him out and quickly being able to diagnose and make a play. That's what makes him so special. He has great awareness. He could blitz, um, speed pursuit. All that stuff is where you, what you want. So he's a premier blue chip prospect in, in the draft. Okay. So I mean, you, you have him as the second overall linebacker, but believe that he is firmly one of the best players in this class. Yeah, because if I had two two lists of my inside backers and my outside backers, he'd Simmons be would one. Be, okay. Yeah, All right. exactly. All right. So where, how high would you draft Isaiah Simmons? If Washington wasn't in a unique situation where they could take the best player available or in the draft and chase Young, I would take him if I was the Redskins because they need an inside backer. Yeah. And Simmons would be perfect in that defense because their defensive line, even without Chase Young is really good. 
Yeah. And you look at that second level, there's a need for an impact. Maybe that's why you're starting to hear, you know, talk of them trading that number two pick. Maybe they understand, hey, we can get a guy that that's great and fills a need while also building assets because they don't have a lot of picks. Um, so that's probably where that talk is coming from, because in a in a perfect world, what I would do if I were Cincinnati, I probably take Chase Young, number one, because I know no one would take the quarterback that I think is the second best quarterback in the draft until pick 33, and that's Jalen Hurts. So I can come back and get Chase well, Young well, and right, Jalen Hurts. So we're going to have to go back to this. So who is your number one quarterback in the draft? Burrow. Okay, so Joe Burrow is your number one quarterback. So you are you think Jalen Hurts, you have Jalen Hurts ahead of Tua, Jordan Love, and Justin Herbert. Absolutely. Okay. Because um, Hurts is, I have an 84 and a half grade on, on Burrow and 82 and a half on uh, Hurts. I, I like the progression Hurts made. I love his mental toughness. Him and Burrow shared the same mental toughness. So Hurts, you think Hurts, yeah, look, Hurts, def- I mean, he dealt with Tua coming in. He dealt with a transfer, played at multiple schools. Do you think he is going to go day two for sure? I think he is probably going to go day two, like second round, or a team may try to trade up into the first. Wow. That would be spicy. Well, here's the thing. It's not out of question. I just, it'd just be surprised. Because of the the whole fifth year option thing. And for me in 2018, I had the same discussion. I was on a a Browns show out there in, in Cleveland and they asked, what would I do with the first and fourth pick? I was like, well, pick number one, I'm taking Saquon Barkley because I know the best quarterback in the draft will be there for me at four. And at four, I'm taking Lamar Jackson. I'm going to lead the league in points scored wow. for that'd a decade. Fun, that'd be a fun combo. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you wouldn't even, I mean, you would have gotten roasted as a GM for taking Barkley at one, but like no one would have given a crap because you took Lamar at four, you know? Like, and like if you, like if people, the draft day would have been insane in Cleveland. Like people would have been clay, like losing their minds over, you know, you taking Saquon Barkley and Lamar Jackson, but it would have worked out very well. Um, what what grade did you have on Lamar? I had he was my number one quarterback. I had a ninety on Lamar. Woo! Okay. Uh, what did you what did you have on Baker? I'm Baker sure. had a Baker had a seventy six. I, I, my my top. Five I'm trying. Best. I'm just trying to put Burrow and and Hertz in perspective as it re, as it relates to yeah. draft class. If you look at if you look at the last three classes, it would have been Lamar. It would have been Haskins, Lamar. Wow, Haskins. Haskins because the the passing accuracy consistent accuracy was just tremendous so you wouldn't think about taking two obviously at two if you're the redskins you no might. because I, I worry about uh injury and to me um where, where, does, Tua, where does Tua rank in this class for you he's third he's he has an 80 grade and okay. all right so so if he's not hurt you would take him as the top five pick yeah i'll take yeah absolutely okay because okay. um, because the thing is if you uh burrow would i would have a i think i have a high a half point grade on burrow over Kyler murray um, cause, okay. and so, so, you know, Burrow would have been a, a, a really high graded prospect that, you know, so to me, um, he's, he's what you would want. But if I'm the Bengals thinking about maximizing picks and trying to game the draft, I would go young cause the drop off between young and the next guy is tremendous. Huge, yeah. And then, and then get, uh, hurts. Cause I, I think the Bengals not bad. The Bengals have a good team. I, I agree. I, I, in fact, you could even argue they go chase young and then you go with, Andy Dalton. I mean, like, right. Well, like, I mean, it's a team that can Cam Newton. Yeah, go sign Cam. That's right. What, um, okay. I don't want to get derailed on this too much. Okay. Well, let's get Kenneth Murray. Kenneth Murray, your number one linebacker. Uh, you like him more than Isaiah Simmons. It feels like he's being mocked somewhere in the twenties, but you think he can end up going higher? And why do you like him so much? Yeah. And here's the thing with, with, uh, with Murray that really stood out to me. I was grading at the time defensive lineman and. I was on uh, Gallimore, but I'm like, yo, who the hell is number nine? <laughs> like, and so it's like, why is this dude constantly making plays? And yeah. I thought this is probably some, you know, you know, over, over aggressive freshman is out there. And, uh, but when I get the linebackers, like, oh, wow, number nine was <laughs> Kenneth Murray. Yeah, Murray yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was like, that, is, that is always a good feeling when you're watching, um, you're watching one player. And you just keep noticing the other player. You're like, all right, like, like I'm on that. Like, and then you're, when you do that and you act, not, not like you accidentally discovered Kenneth Murray, but you know what I'm saying? Like when you, when somebody forces their way into your, into another player's evaluation, it, it makes you really like the player that forced their way in. Cause you know, like you're not looking for him. You just keep noticing him. That me, that like that to me is something when they pop on tape like that, that to me is something that the stand, like it, 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 it dramatically impacts my, my opinion of that person. 
prime example of that uh, 2015, I went down to the Celebration Bowl. It was the first year of the Celebration Bowl, Alcorn in North Carolina A&T. I went down specifically yeah. to, to college. Yeah, he he. I was watching the corner and safety from Alcorn, and this little dude had 300 yards right. I'm like, yo, who the hell is this? And it was ridiculous, and he was a sophomore at the time. So you're right. When you go there for one reason and one guy just steals the show, it makes you like him even more. And that's, that's what I saw with Murray because of the speed, the acceleration. You know, this dude fast in all directions. He's great instinctively versus the run. He can cover well in man. Uh, he blitzes well with a purpose. So everything he does is is at full speed. The the problem with that is, you know, as an offensive guy, you love a over aggressive linebacker because he's gonna bite on everything. You know, and so he gets a little bit jumpy in zone, a little bit too over aggressive in, in, in pass coverage, which, you know, if you're running like these jerk routes or pivot routes or Texas routes as they call it, you're gonna you're gonna have an opportunity against him because he's gonna jump at the first sign of you because he's trying to beat you to the spot. So if you do any kind of double moves or anything like that, it, it would get him in, in trouble. So he has to be a little bit more calm in his approach. But it's hard for for you to tell a linebacker, yo, stop being aggressive. Uh, and that's the only knock I have about him. But he is a fantastic prospect. All right, this is awesome chatter. Uh, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta run because I have to. Uh, do a, a radio appearance. So I don't, I'm not trying to cut it short. I would like to continue talking about, um, more quarterbacks, but we got through the linebackers. We will handle defensive backs, uh, tomorrow. Emery Hunt, thank you so much for the time, buddy. At FBall Game Plan on Twitter. Check out Football Game Plan on the internet and, uh, go to Sportsline and read Emery Hunt there as well. Thanks, man. This is a blast. Appreciate you, Will. Anytime. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.